0: Podcast is part of the sports social podcast network.
1: Fire for them, fire for them. If you're looking for that 35 bag umbrella and all damn thing there, keep it locked with this This unomics podcast. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Dishnomics podcast. I think it's episode 239. Uh, The program with today is a very special guest. Um, I've known him for several years. Um, We spend the majority of our time moving like USA versus USSR in in our football group chat. The Cold War, that's still going on. This is the great Dan Soff, award-winning comedian and also key founder of Touchline Frackers. Dan, how are you doing today?
0: Yeah, I'm good, man. This is a nice intro. I feel, I feel loved.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are loved. You are loved. Don't, don't, it's, it's still war, but come on, you're, you know what I mean? You have to respect your contemporaries. You know what I
0: it's, mean? it's a war. Just know who's winning. Just know who's winning.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, uh, tell me about um, Touchdown Fracas and the work you have done there for the years and where Touchdown Fracas is going.
0: Touchdown Fracas is crazy because, obviously, it started as a thing on Twitter. There was, like, obviously, with Twitter, you get kind of, like, Prominent voices that can kind of come up in different kind of subsets of communities and in the football community back when I know football Twitter is a term that's commonly used today, but back when it was like really small and really early, obviously, I'm just someone that's always argued about football, whether it's with my friends, with my family. And so like Twitter was just another outlet for that. And that's when I came across like um Characters, I'll, I'll say that term, um, yeah. like, like, I like Dysonomics. And yeah, yeah so, so we've been arguing <laughs> for ages. And then one of us just suggested, let's do it. And this is back in 2014. So I know yeah. there's, like, um, there's loads of podcasts and there's loads of like platforms now, but this was when no one was doing it really and truly. And so we, we hopped on a podcast. And we've been super innovative from not just doing the podcast. We were doing almost like Clubhouse before Clubhouse came a thing with our Discord lives. And um, yeah, and it's annoying because really and truly, I'm in software, I'm in tech, so I should have made an app for for it then. Because I would, I wouldn't even be doing this right now. I'll be on a yacht somewhere. Um, maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll be trying to buy Chelsea. But um, <laughs> But yeah, touchdown, Fracca, um Again, the streets seem to love it. It seems to be the people's faves. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm super happy to be part of it, and obviously, I am a key key member of that too.
1: Yeah, very very key member. Very intelligent. Very funny. Um, I've learned a lot about football. Through Dan, um the way he has, he assesses things and makes me look at, and if Dan recommends something, I take it almost as gospel. <laughs> do you know what I mean? So for I'm, I do think he's got a very good hit rate. So who don't know about Dan, if you need to listen to Touch Africa Records, especially um Chelsea, Chelsea Hour, and yeah. that is for Chelsea. And of course, the topic today is Chelsea. Um, I've been kind of a mixture between do you know what I haven't been that I can't lie, I haven't been that jubilant. Mm-hmm. I've just I have enjoyed the the sadness from the Chelsea fans. That is like better than winning itself. It's just yeah. I'm a bit of a of a sadist, so I do love um, basking others' pain. Yeah. But I've been kind of like hmm, I've been kind of like in the middle about this because I kind of thought I kind of feel what's happened to Chelsea is a bit nasty. So well, right. so so what's happened, people? Well, so on the first 10th of March, 2022, um, Chelsea's owner Roman Abramovich, um, Russian oligarch was sanctioned by the British government. Um, he, this has been a long time coming because they did effectively ban him from the country in 2018 when the Russians, um, Russian spies effectively killed somebody in, I can't remember the name of the town, but rest in peace to that man. Um he's deemed as an associate of um, Vladimir Putin mm. and his company, his um, steel company, I think it's called Everass, um, allegedly supplied supply material to the Russian military. So we don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. Um, so what happened was there was a special license put in place Uh, Until the 31st of May 2022, which uh, effectively bars Chelsea from doing a lot of things. The Treasury has the right to suspend, revoke, or vary this at any time. And this hit hit the streets like, let me not say a bomb, but hit the streets like the pandemic, let me say. (laughs) When you first saw this happen, what was your initial reaction?
0: So I was on a work call. And obviously I got my phone um, next to me whilst I'm on work call and I saw like I get the notification that comes through. It says something about Roman Abramovich. And obviously we had this kind of looming over us because a lot of people were getting sanctions. But I remember I seen a video with um, someone in the House of Commons asking Boris, why haven't you sanctioned Roman yet? And I was thinking actually they're protecting Chelsea. So for for whatever reason, maybe it was just me being naive, but I just (laughs) thought, okay, we are cool. And wrote <laughs> it in a cell. And so it's all going to be good. But then I got a notification. And I don't know. Do like, you know when your spirit just tells you something? Check your phone. Check your phone. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, let me actually just check it. And I read the whole thing. And to be fair, the first thing I saw, it wasn't that bad. When I saw more I just kept seeing more notifications With Roman's name I was like Let me stop this work Let me actually not Concentrate on work Let me concentrate On what's really important And so I um, Then I started to read And that was Sanctions this And sanctions that I'm not going to lie My first um, reaction Was positive Because Essentially It said Chelsea can't sell tickets So my first reaction was, ah, that means Roman can't sell Chelsea. So there's still a sliver of hope that Roman gets Mm. the custodian. Um, But obviously it just, it started getting like going downhill from there. Now I expect my rivals to dunk on my head. Do you know what I'm saying? When bad news happens, because that's what football's about. Otherwise, why are you in it? Do you know what I'm saying? You're not, you're not playing yourself. So the whole kind of thing with football is winning and losing. And so if your enemies are going through strife, that's a win for you. So... I've got no issues with that. And obviously, I couldn't go into any group chats because I'm someone that likes to protect my personal, you know, work health. As well. you, know, you know what I'm saying? If, if there's bad news, you know me, Ayo. If there's yeah. bad news, then I'm just going to say, hey, I'm not going to go into the group chat and stuff like that. Um, but, but, but then you can't escape it because like, when you're known as the Chelsea guy, when you log into work, people are talking to, your your, fa- your family, your friends, you can't escape it. And then you have to do press conferences. That's what I'm kind of doing right about. Yeah. <laughs> so essentially I, I couldn't escape it. I couldn't escape it. And I'm like a stoic, not on purpose. So stoicism is one of those things where you don't kind of, stuff that's out of your control, don't let it stress you. Uh, yeah, so I'm kind of like that. And so a lot of people start, um, I don't know, they're brainstorming the, the worst case scenarios, they're doing all that kind of doomsday analysis. And for me, that doesn't really affect me until it happens. The problem is things continue to start happening. <laughs> so at first I was like, it's cool, nothing's really happened. But then free start coming out and saying, Oh, we're considering our sponsorship and
1: pathetic. If just,
0: right. I, yeah, yeah, it is. And and the reason why I say it is, is because I see this with a lot of um sponsorship type of stuff where They're they're happy, like, they knew Roman um, was a controversial figure. And obviously, they've they've sponsored Chelsea. And so for the same reasons, I know maybe more has come to light, to be fair, so um, maybe we'll get on to that. But it's like sometimes I see with sponsors a lot of the time, they um, align with you when obviously you're popular and you've got things to offer them, but they almost try to double their kind of PR by using by using the situations whenever there's like any controversy to come out and say, Hey, we are, we are distancing ourselves from, and for me, it's so nasty For me. For me, it's nasty. For I always say that if I was ever to get into like big business, then, and I was working like on these big sponsorship deals, I'll have a clause saying, if you try to disassociate yourself from the company during um, controversy, then you have to pay. Um, a big clause, because that kind of tested the relationship. Like, percent. business relationships aren't that dissimilar from like normal relationships, really and truly. Like, if I don't trust you in a normal relationship, then I wouldn't trust you in a business relationship. And in a normal relationship, really and truly, if I'm going through controversy, I don't want you to, you know, just distance yourself. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So yeah, I don't I don't respect it. But yeah, a lot of things just started to um, unfold from then.
1: Yeah, like, I couldn't believe what was happening. And so, like, what does this mean for Chelsea? So I'm going to read to listeners some of the stuff that's been um, touted as, um, in this special licence. So the special licence issued by the government will allow both the men and the women's team to fulfil their fixtures for the rest of the season. Uh, Roman Abramovich, the person who spent his hard-earned cash to purchase Chelsea, legally is disqualified as a director, which I think is insane. Um, the season ticket holders can still attend games at Stamford Bridge as normal, but... And every match ticket sold before the government announced this will still be honoured, but Chelsea can't sell any tickets further forward. Um, any broadcast money that comes from like Sky and BT is to be frozen. And prize money, whatever Chelsea win from their league positions or um, if they get how far they get in the Cups, and if they win any Cups, um, Cups, you're still in the FA Cup, I believe, and the Champions League. If they win any of those things, that will be frozen as well. Um, you can't buy any tickets to watch Chelsea going forward from now on. Um, they won't be able to sell their tickets to for the FA Cup um, quarterfinal versus Middlesbrough. The club is not allowed to sell any merchandise at the club shop. It was closed on Thursday. There was no mention if they've barred per, um, future purchasing of season tickets, which if they did, that would be very, very detrimental for Chelsea because that's a lot of um, revenue. Um, the licence does enable Chelsea to pay for all their staff, playing staff as well as support staff um, and coaching staff. But with these sanctions, they are effectively under a transfer ban. Chelsea are unable to buy or sell players. They are unable to negotiate contracts for players that they own. So for example, um, Dan, you can speak more on this, that I know Rudiger, Christiansen, and Quetta, yeah. their contracts are gonna run out at the end of the season, yeah. but you can't currently negotiate with them. You are been barred from this. Yeah. Um, what else is there? So. I want to get. Into, I'm gonna get through all this, and then Dan, you we could have a, a chit chat about this. They are um, the government is open to an additional license that allow them to sell, but how quickly they can sell depends on the government receiving assurances that the proceeds do not go to Abramovich. Um, also, um, they, the government BBC was saying that um, the the travel cost of roughly around cap is around twenty thousand, and it's meant to be apparently a bit too low. But um, ESPN said. Um, they've um, their sources tell them that um, the travel for away matches has been revised up to nine hundred thousand pounds, and that, um, also the, there's also increased the limit of staging home games, and which is also crazy that Barclays have now suspended the club's credit cards for mm. fear of breaching government rules. And what's crazy about this is that when I found this out, I thought like Chelsea were were informed of this prior to announcement but all sources claim that the club were completely blindsided by this and of course naturally players and agents have been panicking so Daniel after hearing all these details how did you feel about that and what did you and what are your current thoughts now
0: um, it's tight just this is what I'm saying because of my kind of attitude and being like more of like a stoic really and truly I did not react when actually there's something that really impacts the club and um, all that's been happening is real tangible things impacting a club. So, mm-hmm. like, sometimes on Twitter, you get these tweets and you have to check the Twitter handle to see if it's like, fraudulent. But, but I saw I saw a tweet saying that Chelsea couldn't pay for the petrol in a club bus. So I thought, okay, this is a joke. This is <laughs> fraudulent. But I checked it and verified it. It's from a verified account. So this type of stuff is the stuff you, you wouldn't really expect to see. Um, but essentially, when like, obviously, Chelsea is a, were like, um, uh, Million, we're in a million-dollar in industry. Um, outgoings are vast. Um, monthly, our expenditure is $28 million. And in terms of the money coming in, like especially when you, when they're freezing the broadcasting, which is actually one of our biggest sources of revenue, um, obviously, we don't have as big a stadium as the rest. But in, in general, like we've relied on broadcasting and player sales. And you can't, obviously there's um, a transfer window. So it's not like we can, like, even if um, we could buy and sell, it's not like we can do any activity. So essentially, in terms of the 28 million, um, they've given us, to I think, May um, to sell the club. And um, I don't know if we've got cash reserves to last. I don't think we have. Um, so this is why Chelsea had to go and see the government to try to kind of renegotiate a better deal. I think with Chelsea vans in general, we're just kind of, I think a lot of people are twerking for a new owner. Do you know what I'm saying? He can come in and... <laughs> and um to, to rescue us and obviously there's, there's several suitors but with i think with chelsea we've just had such a good custodian i don't think that i know that there are elements of chelsea support that saying let's get someone else in but um actually listening to our united band friends i know liverpool's happy now but for a long time with liverpool and most clubs like they've had issues with their ownership and we just really haven't like we've ha- we've got not just someone with the reserves to like fund us but also someone that's passionate so they're going to actually put the money where their mouth is Um, and so yeah he's run up his own personal debt like we have 1.4 billion in debt and that's not even associated to Chelsea Football Club there's a a holding company called Ford Stamp which is Mm. just like an anagram for Stamford Stamford Bridges our stadium and he's kind of a lot of the time he's kind of converted personal debt that he's spent on like that academy building the academy building like his own personal purchase in, in terms of um, particular players that he's wanted, and a lot of that is just put to a debt to the holding company, and so it's not actually held um, towards Chelsea. Obviously, he can still kind of enforce it to Chelsea, but again, he said that he wants to waive that. So having someone that, like you know, that has put so much kind of money, and not just money, like there's not many kind of like owners that have come to the stadium every single match. So. Chelsea fans generally have a strong relationship. And I know that a lot of rival fans like sports-washing, sports-washing, It's it's been effective, Chelsea fans are dumb and all that type of stuff. When it comes down to it, maybe we're not experts in everything um, that he's done. And I'm not, I'm not even that particularly sure of what I'm supposed to be so horrified <laughs> about. Mm-hmm. I've, I've tried to, because ignorance is not an excuse. So I've tried to even just kind of like read um, a lot of the stuff that he's been accused of. A lot of it for me seems like opportunistic
1: Opportunistic in a business, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, yeah, he, what Roma Baranovich done is what the overall majority of people would have done in his in his position. Yeah. Like he's a crook, but so is what the, almost probably the majority of people. It's, it's very difficult to master type of wealth without bending some rules because you're yeah. is a highly competitive world. So um, the I don't think Roma Baranovich is he probably more corrupt than maybe some something else? Yeah, probably that's just simply and just by habit of his jurisdiction, because there's more open corruption there. But yeah. he's not like a human rights violator, <laughs> for example. Exactly. Like,
0: it's the way people are reacting. And I'm like, what has he done? Like, I tried to go to the controversy page of Wikipedia to see what am I missing? Is it... Because a lot of it just seems like opportunistic stuff. And... Um, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. But but this particular, what the government is saying is that he's been supplying... That like, I think you said that before... As part of this war, he's been kind of propping up the, the, the Russian army by supplying them. Um, which, which to be fair, and obviously again, none of this is like fact. But I, I know when you think about Roman Abramovich and Chelsea fans will know this. I think if, even if you just kind of check out Roman Abramovich, it comes up he's a prominent, like he's a Jew, and um, he's really kind of like whenever. Uh, we've had plenty of racism things that come out and he's always like someone that kind of stamps down and uh, obviously he's a big reason why we've got a women's football team and they've got a lot of money so he really kind of props up you know different demographics but especially when it's jewish then the hardline stuff comes out like Mm. like you can see that he really kind of cares about this more than anything and i i found it interesting when i was here in putin and he was trying to give justification on why he's going to invade and he was talking about there being neo-nazis in the ukraine um army um
1: so roman which Br- is true by the way Yeah, it's, it's just it, Peter just overstated it but it's definitely true
0: yeah but then roman is supporting that uh, like for me that just aligns with everything he's done because he's done like, especially when it comes to jewish stuff he's so hard-line so it wouldn't surprise me if, if roman supported that
1: it also wouldn't surprise me if roman didn't support that um and obviously the US, I mean the US, the UK government has to have probable cause just to sanction somebody. you want to say, oh, we think you're both of them so we're going to hold your money. Yeah. You, you can't just do that. <laughs> you yeah. can't just do that. So I think, so I'm not too sure. I haven't seen hardline evidence of Roman Abramovich's um, current contribution to the Russian army. I, I, I would bet a lot of money that the Russian army is being propped up by oligarchs because Russia don't have that much money anyway. Mm. And that's kind of how Russia works. But I don't see any evidence thus far that implicates Romero uh, Abramovich. And I just think it's a bit... I just personally think... I understand why the government is sanctioning Abramovich because yeah. he is, uh, he's an associate of Putin. And how you really get to Putin is by basically removing the structure around him and the structure around him is the oligarchs. So if you literally make all the oligarchs' life a living hell naturally the incentive is for them to kind of get onto Putin to stop this. So it's, it's the, I understand it, but I still think it's just, especially because Chelsea is a British institution, it's a football club, they have absolutely nothing to do with the war in Ukraine whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. It's just like the real life implications of this is mad. Like to me, the fact that you can potentially have another transfer ban yeah. for no wrongdoing of Chelsea football club is kind of crazy. So, so let's talk about go on, go on.
0: I was going to say it's just difficult because I don't know the details. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. I think for me mm-hmm. as a Chelsea fan, this is the ride. Do you know what I'm saying? I supported Chelsea before <laughs> Roman Burns came in. When that, like, when he came in, that was crazy. And it just feels mm-hmm. like Chelsea Football Club continually have these crazy days. Whether it's the transfer ban that you alluded to before, mm-hmm. where big managers get sacked, and this is just another one that kind of falls in, into that ride.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely it has been a roller coaster ride. And to be fair, like I think. Chelsea were very fortunate um, to benefit from Abramovich because of not he's only oligarch with a lot of money, but mm. as as you detailed, he's an amazing owner. Yeah. He actually puts money in I I'll probably go to find out to the financials at some point in the spot that he actually puts his money where his mouth is. Yeah. And not only is he just a, not only he's acting as a bank, he's also instilled a certain culture of excellence because he doesn't. Everybody knows Chelsea, they don't play time. If the manager's not doing what he's meant to do and he's gone. Right. It doesn't matter if it's Chelsea legend Frank Lampard. It doesn't matter if it's one of the best managers of all time. Jose Mourinho, who effectively got sacked twice. He wants to win. Yeah. And if you're not leading him to win, you're gone. And that's why Chelsea have been the benefactors of such success. I'm sure it must be like four or five league titles, um, two champions leagues, the yeah. Europa League, FA Cups, League Cups, just non-stop success. Um, so he is a top, 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 top owner. So, um, yeah, so pff, it's insane. What's happened to me is totally, totally insane. So what's the mood of Chelsea fans now?
0: Chelsea fans, are, they're really selfish when it comes down to it. They're so quick to that. All right, Roman, it's time to pass it on. Let's just get someone new in. Yeah. And so, so I think everybody is now focusing on who they want. Um, there's Apparently there's been at least like 30 different kind of, yeah, I
1: saw that. There's loads. Apparently, there's like a deadline for a certain bank. I can't remember who's facilitating a sale. I think it was Tuesday. When they submit their bids. Yeah, the yeah, I think that's them. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently, like I've seen um, some Americans. I've seen that Swiss, that Swiss man who's like 800 years old. Yeah. They allow it. And then I think um, our good friend Meed also, Chessy Hour, Touchdown Fracas. Yeah. Um, he also dropped a link of a potential Saudi. But not links to the Saudi royal family, a Saudi businessman um, who also who visited Chelsea in 2017, um, yeah. who also apparently is going to submit a bid. So, what's yeah. the temperature on the bids, and how confident are Chelsea fans of getting like some good owners in? Um, again, like even when Roman came in, like you just kind of have
0: to sit down and understand that you don't know these people, so you have to kind of like there's certain things that look shiny on the outside that they not, might not be good on the inside. So, from from the outside at least. I like the Saudi media, and it's not just... like When people hear Saudi, then they just love it. They just love Saudi. But (laughs) I think with um, the Saudi media one, number one, he's a Chelsea fan. But also, in terms of what he's saying, that they're willing to do. And again, maybe they come in and they don't do this because everyone's going to say the best stuff before just to try and get in. But um, essentially, they're saying that um, all of the sponsors, because obviously, I think it's not just um, free that have said that they're kind of pausing. Nike's kind of doubled down and saying, listen, we're going to stick with Chelsea. But I think Hyundai, who are our training kit sponsors, They've tried to distance themselves, and a few have as well. And um, apparently, because this side, siding media group, apparently, they can bring in a lot more lucrative sponsors, um, which is always good. When you look at the Man City's and the the PSG's, you're like, where you get the sponsorship from, like, <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't mind some of that at Chelsea. So facts. Um, we've this um, this guy essentially because you know when we talk about sports watching, it's like I know a lot of people just throw it around because sometimes the, there's these buzzwords that come out, like, do you know, like, um what's the one love bombing i've I've heard love bombing news and everybody tries to explain it and and it's just a new term that people like to use. I feel like with sports washing people are just using it and I'm like do you even understand what it means with sports washing you need something to wash um people talk about Roman abramovich sports washing but don't forget no one knew who Roman was he was an oligarch and so he was kind of in silent anyway so he didn't really have anything to wash personally. Where sports washing might um, actually be attributed to Roman Brownfish is like you said, he's got links with Putin. And so, um, like, maybe he's doing sports washing for Russia. But for him personally, it doesn't make sense. If no one knows you, why would you make yourself one of the most public known uh, figures in the world if you're trying to hide things? But um, he may be sports washing for Russia. And so, the Saudi bid, one of the reasons why, um, again, it's more palatable is because, again, they're not, they haven't got linked to the state, so it wouldn't be sports washing in, in, the, in the front of the lens anyway. Maybe behind the scenes, there's other kind of like devious people that are trying to kind of be involved. But um, again, Newcastle have Saudi owners that have only recently been allowed in, so that's precedent set, and these guys aren't even linked to the state like the Newcastle owners are. So that all seems good, plus they've got bank, which is the most important thing. The Americans, there's an American called Todd Bowley, And um, he was one of the first names that was mentioned after all of this stuff started to happen. And again, everybody started to bring the videos up. And to be fair, because he's got history of um, a franchise in America, a sports franchise, of success in that franchise, that's almost been like a warming thing to Chelsea fans. So it's like, okay, cool, you've done it before. And I know, obviously, you've got the Glazers that are in charge of Man United. Yep. And um, when they were coming in, Actually, the the anecdotes that were coming through in terms of how they run their franchise in America weren't positive. And so we've seen it before with, I think, the the guys Hicks and Gillette, um, when they came through at Liverpool before Liverpool's new guys, FSG. Again, the feedback from America wasn't positive. but So it is kind of comforting with Todd Bowley that um, the feedback from his actions in America with his franchises there has been positive. Um, However, I don't know. I just don't like the idea of the consortium yeah, you know, yeah. because when it's one person, it's one vision and you know, like it's one person's money and it's a passion project because this um, guy that is the CEO of the Saudi media group is a Chelsea fan too and his kids support Chelsea too, so it's more of a passion project and that's kind of what we've had with Roman, so it's not just been clinical, let's just try to make money, it's been actually, I really care about Chelsea too, and so with the American guy, it's like, mm. do you do you really care or is this another kind of asset for your portfolio? Um so there's that. And then also, this, this American guy is linking up with the Swiss guy, the 100-year-old. The um, and, <laughs> and there's three in that consortium. And the third one is a British property developer who previously tried to buy Spurs and is also a lifelong Spurs fan. Now, listen, that, that doesn't mean anything. You could be um, a Spurs fan and you can do a good job. But at the end of the day, I just I don't know, maybe it's just off of having Roman. I'd want my owner to be all in as a fan too, as as a Chelsea fan. And again, I'd prefer like a one-man band type of thing over like a consortium consortium of different people.
1: Yeah, I think I prefer like an individual owner that's really, really passionate. And I've seen it in American sports where the more consortium-like... So in New Orleans have um, two teams that have the, their basketball team and they have their um, football team. And yeah. they're, they're, the basketball team doesn't seem to make any good decisions because it's just like, it's run by committee. Yeah. Like Another um, American franchise, Green Bay Packers, they're not, they are not—they don't have an owner. It's kind of like run by like, the fans and everybody. And they, again, like they don't make the best decision. Whereas you have like certain teams, like um, for example, the New England Patriots, they own a Robert Kraft. Like he is such a fan. He's yeah. so driven by winning. Yeah, and hence the marriage end up with Tom Brady and Belichick, and they win so much, and he's so keyed into winning. And I yeah. think when you have somebody who's like the, the um, who's the final decision maker, yeah. it's just more agile in terms of making decisions, and it definitely yeah. plays a big part if they're a massive fan. So yeah, yeah
0: what I what I'd say is there's different paths to su- su- to successory, mm-hmm. and as long as you're going on one path, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like you're committed to that one path, you're going to move faster. But if one minute you're going to go on this path, then there was like, actually, let's go this path. Then again, it just becomes wishy-washy. So, so yeah, I, like, I kind of really want... I know the FSG at Liverpool, they're a consortium and they've done well. So it's not like you yeah. can't do well um, with a consortium. But yeah, I know what I prefer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely so, so in terms of like So I was looking at um, A gentleman called Swiss Ramble Who does like football counting He's really good yes. So I was looking at um, Some of the Chelsea figures He posted up And just to show the impacts Of Roman Abramovich On Chelsea Football Club So if you look at The last 10 years Of owner financing Chelsea's uh, is number one 701 million mm-hmm. City 684 Arsenal 211 Liverpool 110 Man United I suppose zero <laughs> um, If you look at Profit or loss before tax. Chelsea, um, in Chelsea, actually has the largest yeah. um, in the last couple of years of 156 million in terms of a loss. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, that was heavily impacted by the pandemic. Um, like it just impacts people differently. If you look at Premier League's highest ever losses before um, tax. Man City and Chelsea quite dominate the list, but it's very obvious why, because obviously these teams got received owners and they spent a lot of money initially yeah. to kind of bridge the gap between themselves and the big boys at the time. So with Chelsea, the big boys were Manchester United and Arsenal. And by the time City came in, the big boys were Manchester United and Chelsea. Yeah. So City in 2000, Chelsea in 2010, 21, they had the highest ever loss, but that was pandemic-based. And then obviously 2004, 2005, was the third highest ever loss. And that's when, obviously, Roman came in and that like, listen, we need to get some ballers up in this yeah. and big him up for that. Um, Premier League, last 10 years, operating profit or loss. Um, Chelsea have the largest loss of um, quarter billion pounds. Um, if you look at Premier League revenue, Roman Abramovich actually, ever since Roman Abramovich coming to Chelsea, Chelsea's revenue, I think, has increased 400%. Yeah. But they're still number four behind City, who's a bit dodgy with their things. We ain't talking on that. United and Liverpool. But the fact that Chelsea's revenues have now superseded Arsenal, who are powerhouse before Chelsea, shows the great work that Remy Rich has done with making Chelsea a you know, somewhat self-sustaining model and a team of excellence. And revenue growth, if you look at Chelsea's revenue growth, it's been really, really high um, over the over the, um, the last few years and the whilst I've got here. And also Chelsea match their revenue. Obviously Chelsea stadium is like, what, 40,000? Yeah, around So that. naturally Chelsea's match revenue is not going to be as much as other teams so the time I'm looking at now actually has Spurs as the most as 122 these are estimates 122 million Um, and that's because they've got a brand new stadium and it's in London Uh, United have the biggest stadium in the land 112 Arsenal, another massive stadium, new and in London, 100 million. Liverpool, who I think is like 50, 50-something 50 thousand, 84. And then Chelsea, 78, which is more than City. So Chelsea don't make that much um, from... Match revenue. Match revenue and their commercial stuff. And and Roman has been doing great, great stuff in kind of making up the gap. So Daniel, I remember you sent a note in our group chat to detail how the impact Roman has, but how Chelsea are self-sufficient and how going forward if they don't have that type of owner like Roman, some of the luxuries that are now gone. So could you go into that?
0: Yeah, so this is it. This is, because I know there's this kind of whole question is like, are Chelsea um, self-sustainable? We've had Roman for 20 years. Why aren't they self-sufficient? And um, the the answer is, is that essentially, Chelsea have been doing good work um, to be a viable kind of business post-Roman. But whilst he's still been there, again, they've been fine to enjoy what he can bring. So essentially, a lot of the, in terms of the debt, to be fair, if you actually look at debt away from um, the stuff, just the stuff that is attributed to Chelsea and not the stuff that has actually been converted to Ford stamp, which I explained earlier, Chelsea don't really have that much debt compared to most Premier League teams. Most mm-hmm. most Premier League teams do actually operate at a loss anyway. So, Facts. exactly. Um, um, and But the thing is with Chelsea, a lot of our revenue comes in through player sales. So we have, I know a lot, a kind of, you know, upsets a lot of rival fans because they're like, right, how are Chelsea always getting money? It's
1: insane. Life? You don't yeah. be getting money for guys. I de- to put where I start to think Chelsea are making these players up. D- yeah, That's yeah, yeah. not real. Yeah. How do they sell this man? Yeah, facts, go on.
0: But it's been part of the business model and this is one of the reasons why with Chelsea, um, you'll see like, everyone's like, is he still playing for Chelsea? People like Van Ginkel, people like, uh, you know, Bakayoko, players that again, are, have been out of sight and out of mind and, Usually, when a player's on loan, it's because they're young players trying to gain experience. But with Chelsea, we have, you know, people from mid to late twenties uh, that are on loan essentially because Chelsea are just trying to put them in the shop window, hoping that they have a big season and then they can sell them for um, a profit. Because again, I think with Marina, who's currently like the almost like Roman's kind of conduit mm-hmm. on the board. So she's got an idea in her mind for valuations of players. And if it's not met, she's like, okay, we go again. You go on loan. <laughs> <laughs> you try You try to make, you know, have a good season and we can sell you. Um, and so, yeah, player sales have been propping up Chelsea. And if you, like you said, Chelsea still have had significant losses. Um, and without those player sales, it would be even more significant. I think um, with Roman Abramovich, essentially, like you said, the revenue has grown, but until like... With Roman, all of this has happened abruptly. If um, we knew this was gonna happen, then Roman would have taken steps to stop um, doing luxurious, luxurious pr- um, purchases. So like the the Lukaku purchase we had this summer, essentially, if you kinda add up all the sales and how much we bought Lukaku for, because he was our only major science, they balanced. And so this summer represents um, how Chelsea can operate as a business and how yeah. they try to. But then the summer before, or a couple of summers before, uh, we made player sales. I mean, we, we bought players in and we made player sales. But then Roman just said, I want Kai Havertz. Because he said, I can't miss out on this player. And so even though it didn't really fit, and we I was going to operate um, at a loss because of it, Roman said, it's okay, I'll bankroll it. And it's one of those ones that that is convert to Fordstram. And so essentially when people are saying, are oh, Chelsea um, self-sufficient, we can't live the same way that we did before. We, we can't have those luxuries. We have one of the largest wage budgets. And the reason why is because we have this loan army where we don't let the go. The fact of that it. it's
1: called the loan army cracks me up because it actually yeah. is an army.
0: It is an army. And there's a WhatsApp group. And what's, what's so funny is that we had a player called Lewis Baker who only recently sold. Um, again, you graduate from Academy Football at 18. And I think he's like 26, so he spent the best part of eight years just going different countries, different teams, different leagues. Crazy. Yeah, just that really, truly, it's an amazing career. What I the way I see it, it should be an amazing career. But all you have to do is at the beginning of the season, um, they do these do these photo shoots, and he's always in the photo shoot, and you can chart his the facial expression from the <laughs> smiling to now where he's just he's like getting me out of here. Um, <laughs> um and essentially, yeah, but then they see it as one of the ways to um, uh, bring profit in because, as much as the wages kind of cost a lot, one sale of 30 million, again, that's going to be really good um, in terms of profit. So, with with Chelsea, the business model just has to change because if the way Roman does things isn't necessarily going to be the way that a new owner does it. But currently, we don't have that much debt, especially if Roman's allowed to write off the 1.4 to 5 billion. Um, we don't have that much there the issue uh, will be is obviously current wages is quite high, and um yeah, it just maybe I don't know if we can support that because currently um we are operating at a loss, and we can do that because we have this luxurious person that is gonna supplement it, but then changes need to be made. The only thing is what you've said before in terms of broadcasting that like before match day revenue was one of the biggest um revenue streams for clubs. But now broadcasting rights because of international broadcasting and um, domestic broadcasting, they're sold separately. Um, yeah. And they're such a huge chunk, especially for a club like Chelsea, because um, obviously the, the um, it kind of gets split, split up equally between all of the clubs. But um, Chelsea, in terms of being successful, in terms of... Um, uh, even like commercial I, I think before you alluded to the fact that we don't do that well commercially but I think we do do really good commercially because that's a big chunk of our income too so those two are supplementing the broadcasting and the commercial we've done really well with that so Chelsea at this point they're a global like a franchise compared to when he first came in absolutely a football club. so yeah we're highly monetizable so I'm not necessarily worried about um, Chelsea it, it really depends on who's next Because I've seen very quickly how Manchester United and Arsenal were gargantuans. And right now they're not competing. Maybe the Glazers are happy because they're making money. But as a club, Man United fans don't feel successful. Arsenal fans don't feel successful. So things can change really quickly as a Chelsea fan.
1: Yeah, definitely. It'll be very interesting to see how things go. And finally, how do you think it's going to impact stuff on the pitch? Obviously, you're pretty much out of the title race. Um, but you're still in within winning the FA Cup and the Champions League. And of course, building on to go again next season. So how do you think your season's going to end and what do you think the fate of some of your players? Because I've, so, I've seen people speak on, yo, maybe you're actually get too sure. Yeah. maybe Reese James. I, I personally don't see there being an exodus of of the high quality assets outside of maybe Rudiger because he's because of the contract situation. Yeah. So how first of all, how do you see your the rest of your season remain on the pitch, and how do you see stuff regarding some of your key assets?
0: This is almost like Chelsea thrive under these situations, under these circumstances, where it feels like everything's in chaos. Do you know that meme where the dog sitting in fire, Chelsea. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> like, that's like that's where you want to be. Like when it comes down to it, we've. Um, the two times we've been to a Champions League final, or the three times we've been to a Champions League final, I think we all of those times we had the manager sacked. Mid-season. Yeah,
1: Avran Grant, Di Matteo, and then uh, Tuchel.
0: And, and then Tuchel. So like, again, you don't sack your manager because things are going well. There's been chaos. Mm-hmm. Um, chat uh, When we had a transfer ban, it was good for Chelsea because a lot of the youth players were used and that whatever happened, we, like, listen, I wish we had a transfer ban this summer because we wouldn't have bought Lukaku. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm <dead. today>. So... <laughs> So with with Chelsea, it's so weird because, again, just when when season starts with Chelsea, whenever pundits start saying, "I think Chelsea are gonna win the league," I hate it because I know that we're not gonna win the league. <laughs> whenever whenever pundits write us off, that's when I'm like, "Okay, we're gonna have a good one." Yeah, for some reason, it always happens. And so I don't like maybe it's kind of like a weird relationship, a toxic relationship to have. But I don't mind a little bit of chaos at Chelsea. Um, the thing with um, I've said this before, and I think I mentioned it in the group chat, and I think I got laughed at for saying it. But I do think that um, having a benefactor is is important. Having money to spend is important, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to diminish Roman at all. But we had a debate. I think someone asked a question: What's more more important, or who's been more important to the success of Chelsea at this point? And he said, "Is it Roman or is it Mourinho?" And I said, "Listen, without uh, Roman, we don't have Mourinho." But I said, nice. "But I said actually, there's so many kind of other examples." of you know, rich benefactors or just rich clubs spending money and not having success. And so I said, I think potent success needs a top manager first and foremost. And then obviously that top manager needs to be supplemented with money because we've seen it like with Pep. Again, he needed money to kind of reach to the top. But Chelsea ha- have won six league titles in the entire history. Three of them have come under one manager, Mourinho. And that's, mm. that's what shows when you have a potent manager. We've had Roman Abramovich for 20 years. Now Tuchel has come in. It feels like we've been to so many different finals already, and he's only been here since last year. And so yeah,
1: literally, it's literally been just over a year.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we've been to so many finals, and um, and, and we're picking up trophies too. And so what I'm saying is, as much as uh, Roman Abramovich has come, I'm looking at Tuchel as being the most important factor for Chelsea competing, because I do feel like. Um, When you look at the Premier League today and you see Liverpool don't have the amount of money Chelsea do, but they've had a good manager for a number of years. And obviously, City have a massive amount of money, but they've got one of the best managers. And so I think having a top manager is more of an indicator for success than having the most money. We've seen Man United clearly have more money, and resources than um, Liverpool, but they can't compete because they don't have a top manager. So I think as long as Chelsea keep Tuchel, and Tuchel seems right or die, but again, anything can change. As long as Chelsea keep cool, I think we've got a good squad. The fact that all the rival fans start start scrapping over our players and start fantasising who they want, that kind of shows that we've got um, a good thing to work with. I think when you look at it and Chelsea's academy, the work has been done and we've got so many players that, like, so many people are looking at academy because, in fact, we've got so many good players and we've seen it through the years in terms of us buying players where if we just gave the academy player a chance, then we would have been fine. We lost out to Livramento because we were linked with Hakimi. He was going to go anyway, but it just shows... The amount of talent we've got coming through anyway. So I think Chelsea will be fine in the short term, but in the long term, who knows what happens because any owner can come in and undo the work. But I feel like we're in such a good place to succeed and I think Roman's done an amazing job. I'm I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say that anymore because people are going to like sports washing, etc, etc. Yeah,
1: the sports washing stuff is cap. Um, sports yeah. washing, I think it has a, you can make the argument with PSG and, with PSG and City, that's 110%. And what um, we haven't seen the Newcastle story play out yet, but those two, the two clubs I mentioned 100%. Roman Ryan, which is not sports watching, he's a guy with loads of money who wanted to have a football club because of his love for the game and he's competitive. And the way he's acted is not, it's never been to like benefit Roman. Like he's never always in the limelight. that like, he just, right. he just right. wants Chelsea to win. So that's that's cap. Um,
0: what I would say though is again, I'm not someone that just because I'm a Chelsea fan, I'm just going to look at the bright side of things. I think. There is a case that maybe he's done sports washing for Russia. Now you know that when Chelsea, whenever Chelsea sacked their manager, they brought Hiddink in, right? Mm-hmm. And Hiddink was the manager of Russia for um, you know, the, was it Euro one of the Euros? And, yeah, I remember. And so Roman does care about how Russia looks, and so it could be. And obviously, like <laughs> I remember my friends Russian. As soon as Roman came in, I was like, I love Russia. I got one of those Russian hats and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't. I can't discount. Um, there being sports watching. But what I'm just trying to say is the way that people are using sports watching is wrong. It can't just be a oh, Roman's trying to hide something because it's counterintuitive really and truly, because it's just boosted his profile.
1: Yeah, I agree. And also, um, I do think with, with the Chelsea fans who are kind of like in complete mourning, listen, if you have a Russian oligarch, you enjoyed the advantages. This is the disadvantages of having a Russian oligarch that Russia is a bit of the, not the most of... Um, not not the most up and up nation, can we say, in the world in the world stage. So it's just a, it's just a. with every owner there's advantages to disadvantages. This is an unfortunate yeah. disadvantage of Roman. and uh, it might not be his fault, but I think Chelsea I think Chelsea will be all right. I think I can't lie, I wouldn't mind a bit of Tommy Tuchel, wouldn't mind Reese James and Coltich. <laughs> so do you know what I mean? Like if they're coming to the market like I don't mind going shopping at um the West London. What do you say? Roja. Oh yes. And the thing, do you know? Even speak about the loan army and your talents. Like the fact that you've got, I think Tammy Abraham. He might not be the greatest player, but he's a solid player. He's he's yeah. good enough. He's doing. He's at Roma. You've got right. Broja at Southampton and Livermore. You've also got Lampy as well. Like you've got like players that they are sick players. Like a lot of teams will take Livermore, Broja, and Lamptey right. and they don't, they can't even make your team. Well, Broja doesn't make sense, but. Lamp Teliver yeah, because you've got Reese James, who's an right. absolute machine. So yeah, man, I think Chelsea are fine. I think there's been a long period of excellence. As long as the new people aren't just incompetent. That's what I'm saying. They just have they just have not to be incompetent.
0: Yeah, I know, but that's like sometimes the bar is low and you still fail.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing with Manchester United. Like, yeah. It's just ever since Fergie left, it's just been shit and utter yeah, incompetence. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. So like, yeah, and I think boy, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, Dan thank you it's been a pleasure in fact there's something that you've done recently that's been absolutely amazing for football fans this is a bit of you talk to us about underrated and why it'll be in the description of this app and of this podcast we'll talk to the people about the underrated app
0: all right so underrated app. i feel like it can be the new i mean a lot of football fans one of the reasons why we're football nerds and we're really into it is because we spent a bit of our youth playing football manager um, and I feel like this can be the new version, just because when it comes down to it, Football Manager really, truly consumes all of your time. And so um, I'm in app development and I wanted to design an app where actually you don't have to live on the app, but you can still engage with football. And so what I did is uh, I, I noticed a lot of trends on social media. There's a lot of people saying, I'm buying stocks in this player, I'm buying stocks in that player. Um, so I wanted to create a version of that where actually you don't have to spend your money. You don't have, it doesn't have to be gambling. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you can if you want. I'm not going to lie. It has to make money. But at the same time, you can just play the game for free. So I've bu- built an app called Underrated. It really and truly, I feel like is a new version of fantasy football. With fantasy football, I'm a big football Facts. fan. Yeah, I'm a big football fan, but I don't really play fantasy football because really and truly... Neither do I. <laughs> yeah, just because if I um, if I start the season good with all of these players that people don't know about, then a couple of weeks in, everyone just copies your ideas. But um, with this app, I've built it in so that if you've kind of spotted a player early you get those benefits early people can't just catch up um but there's there's plenty of things to do we're in our early stages we launched december um and so yeah there's a lot of exciting things that happening but i don't like to speak on it just until it happens but yeah check out underrated um beautifully designed as well if i do say so myself
1: very, 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 very good. Do you know what? Yeah. I didn't know that I had to keep reinvesting, otherwise i lose stuff and sometimes I just forget to. Yeah. So so now you've told me that I feel like I'm ready to, to, to take over. I'm just hoping that I'm not hoping <laughs> that my stocks start to boom. Yeah. But yeah, trust me guys, it's proper fun. Um, when I got that app I spent ages just um just like rating players against each other, I was making sure I rate everybody ahead of Bruno because I literally think everybody's better than Bruno. So and, yeah, it's a I, super fun app. It's like a community aspect of Phil yeah. and it's just a cool way of tracking like how you feel about players so like if you see a player that you really like like some of the ones I'm tracking that might not be quite mainstream yet um, I really like Jacob Ramsey I really like um, Pedro Neto and I think I was probably one of the first ones since he came to England that I really liked um, saint Maximan. Yeah. so I'm like yeah hopefully I see my difference pay off when they all get their big news hopefully yeah. hopefully all to Man United, but we'll see but yeah Dan thank you it's been an absolute pleasure
0: no problem man then sir
1: sports social podcast network